we invite your Holy Spirit into this room today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for you being here among us. We praise you for the ability that we have to be here to worship you. In your son's name, amen. Do you ever get discouraged? Do you ever get to the point where you want to cry out and say, what's the point? Have you ever just wondered, why bother? I would assume that probably almost everyone here today has asked themselves those questions. Perhaps even more than once. If I'm honest with myself, I've asked myself those questions a lot lately. Perhaps too much in the past year and a half or so. Why bother? What's the point? We all get tired. We all get discouraged. And we wonder what the purpose we serve in the grand scheme of things. It seems sometimes as if no one is even listening to us. At work, it seems like you do the same thing day in and day out, and, and you say to yourself, there's got to be more to life than this. At school, you sit there and you listen to the teacher drone on and on and on. You ask yourself as you sit there and take notes on a subject that you have no interest in, why do I have to listen to this teacher? Well, what about your faith? You go to church every week and you listen to a pastor talk about someone that you have never seen. And you ask yourself, what's the point? Is this guy ever actually going to come back? Why are we here? There are many reasons to get discouraged at home, at work, at school, and yes, even here at church. But there's a difference between being discouraged and being defeated. See, when you're discouraged, you can get back up. You can dust yourself off, and then you can carry on. But when you're defeated, there's no hope. There's nothing left to encourage you. You have no desire to look for something else. You have no desire to get back up. You have no desire to stay in the fight. There's nothing for you to do but sit there and wallow in your misery. Look around you in this room. This room is full of fighters. You come back week after week and you listen to a sermon about someone you've never seen, but you keep coming. You, it's about someone who claims he will come in return. Someone that you, some of you have been coming for years, maybe even decades. And it reminds me of Pastor Reed. 
and many of us will go to his memorial service tonight. Reminds me of Pastor Reed, probably one of the biggest fighters I've ever known. And it reminds me of times that I, I sat there when times when I was discouraged and he helped to encourage me to stay in the fight. And he would often do it by telling me about times when he was discouraged. And he would tell me about times when he was discouraged and he would say that he kept coming back because he had hope and faith in Jesus. See, Pastor Reed was such an amazing person. And I'm going to miss being able to go to him and talk to him and get that encouragement from him. And I wish I would have done it more often. I wish I would have gone to him more often. I miss Pastor Reed. You may be sitting there thinking that you're in the minority. You may feel like that there are maybe many who are no longer care about faith and religion. You may have seen family members, loved ones, and friends who've just given up and have walked away from faith. But you still care. You still have hope. You still have faith. You still cling to the knowledge that you are a child of God and that He won't abandon you. See, being alive and being a Christian is like riding a roller coaster. Now, for me, riding a roller coaster is a solitary event because Amy won't ride them with me. So I have to ride them by myself. But they're like many highs and lows in life. Sometimes life seems like they just crawl along, and that's when you're going up that first hill, super slow. Other times you're being whipped around like you're about to fall off the edge. Why is that? Because discouragement and defeat come from Satan. Hope, belief, and faith come from God. We're not perfect. We are human. Satan throws everything and anything at us to not only discourage us, but more importantly, to defeat us. Satan wants more than anything to assure himself that we will be an ineffective witness for God. And there will be times that we will be discouraged. And that's okay. Accept that. That's okay. There'll be times we'll be discouraged as long as we get back up and go back to work for God. We should never give up. And as Tom Petty would say, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. We should never get defeated or hopeless. And if we do, then Satan has won. Look around yourself today in this room. There are a lot more empty seats than there used to be. Should we be discouraged by that? Should we think that since there are fewer in number that there's nothing that we can do about that? 
Do you think that we are outnumbered, undermanned, and outmatched? Remember, God doesn't need much to accomplish much. With only 300 men, Gideon defeated the Midianite army. With just Moses, Aaron, and a few priests, God rescued a million Hebrews from Pharaoh's army and took them through the Red Sea. Do you still feel alone? If so, you're in pretty good company. Even Elijah felt alone, alone at times. 1 Kings 19, 14, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. How did God respond to Elijah's discouragement? God let him know, Elijah, you're not alone. We may feel alone. We may feel discouraged at times. We may feel that we are one of the only few people that really care about this church. However, we should remember, we should always remember that logically, there are billions of people on this earth and surely there are some who still believe like we do. Certainly, this church has lost some members over the years. And it may not be growing as fast as some of us would like it to. But we are not alone in our belief, and we will not be defeated. So look around you. We may not have the numbers to fill this room, but we are still strong in our faith and in our belief in Jesus. Remember, Christ promised that the gates of hell will not prevail over his faith. Remember also, while Paul sat in prison, he could still encourage Timothy to press on and keep working for the Lord. We read that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, where it said, All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Sometimes people become discouraged because they feel their efforts are in vain. They do not see an immediate response from their work. Or they believe that no one recognizes their efforts. See, some things that we do that bear immediate recognition, things like if you mow your grass, you immediately know that you did it. Or if you cut your bushes, you trim your bushes, there's an immediate knowledge that it's been done. 
But there are other things that you don't have, you can't see an immediate result, such as giving a Bible study. Sometimes the work we do for the church, the hours that we spend doing it, are known by only a few. If you were to ask Alex how many hours he spends handling the church finances and paying the bills, you probably would be amazed. Or if you were to ask Celeste how many hours she puts in making sure that we can have lunch every week. Or ask the praise team how much time it takes so that they actually stand up here for 20 minutes or so and sing to you. These are not jobs that lend themselves to public acclamation, but they are necessary to the function and the continuity of God's work. Now, I doubt that Alex or Celeste are looking for public praise. God sees their efforts and will reward them in due time for that effort. Even though you may not receive recognition for what you do, God notices it and records your faithfulness, and he also will record your faithlessness. God sees your sacrifices and that you make for the church. And we must remember why we do what we do. If you're doing it for the recognition, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Matthew chapter 6 says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. We should be encouraged that we will receive our reward for all we have done in this life. Be assured that though man may not see your faith in action, God does. Do, not, do you feel that your work for God is ineffective? Do you think your work is in vain, that you are not making any progress? Have you given a Bible study to have that person, for, to spend hours in a Bible study with that person, for that person to only say thanks, but no thanks? It's hard to put in hours after hours into something and see no appreciable progress or success for all of that time. But we have to remember that effectiveness is not measured by the number of people spoken to or those converted, nor is it measured by the number of hours we spend at church or in work at church. We are called to be faithful. We are not necessarily called to be successful, and that is a tough pill to swallow. We want to be successful. That's what the world judges us by success. But that's not what Jesus judges us by. Our job is to be a witness for God. We're to lay the groundwork to prepare the field. 
then we leave the rest up to God. He causes the rain to fall. He sends the Holy Spirit to influence a person's decision. We cannot make people be faithful. We cannot make them make a decision for Him. People have to make their own choices. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is probably one of the best verses on this. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. God is the one who causes things to grow, and that includes faith. We are his servants. You might even say that we don't even have the right to be upset and to think that we're being ineffective. We might never know if the seeds we plant are fertile. We may never know if the seed has fallen on good soil or rocky soil. And that should be okay for us. As long as we faithfully witness and make the effort to spread the word of God, as long as we do our part we shall be rewarded. And that is all that we can ask for. Isaiah chapter 55 tells us this, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Let us not forget that no one can, can be successful in everything. Noah. Noah spent 120 years building an ark. In that, he was successful. He also preached the word of God that same 120 years, warning people about a coming flood. But when the time came, only his family walked up into the ark. 120 years of preaching and no one was converted. He was a very successful ark maker, but a very unsuccessful preacher. He wasn't successful in everything. But compare him to Jonah. Jonah was very unfaithful, very undiligent. In fact, he ran away from his calling. But yet, he was able to help 120,000 people repent, much to his dismay. He wasn't happy about that. But yet, 
Was Jonah more successful because he was a better preacher than Noah because he had better numbers? See, it's not about the results. It's about how dedicated you are to the calling. Have you always been successful at everything you've tried? Have you ever, have you always been, if you've ever played basketball, I got to go back to what I know. I didn't make every foul shot, every three-pointer I've ever taken. I haven't always been 100%. If I stopped taking shots because I, because I was afraid of missing a shot, I would have never taken another shot. Wayne Gretzky said, you, take the sh you shoot the puck and you shoot, continue to shoot the puck because you will miss everyone you don't shoot. We haven't always been successful in everything we've attempted. Does that mean we give up? No, we don't give up. But yet, when it comes to the church, why do we give up on things that fail with our labors? when it comes to the church. Worrying about the future is not going to get the work done or solve all of our problems. God will always make sure that the leaders rise up and lead his work. He will never abandon his church. Have you considered that you may just be one of his leaders that he is training to lead his church. Let us always try our best and, and take God's efforts and magnify them for his success and not ours. Let us always dedicate and sanctify our efforts with prayer and thanksgiving. If we do this, then we will not labor in vain. When working in the church, we must always think positively. It's amazing how powerful our brains are. Everything we do starts in the brain. And they've done studies that show the, the correlation between brain health and everything else in our lives. Our entire life, our relationship, whether we're rich and we're poor, happy or sad, a delight to be around or a total bore, even our health or lack thereof all begins with our brain. Negative thinking steals the joy out of our life. It blinds us to happiness. It robs us of good health. It promotes defeat. It destroys a happy family. It sabotages a good education and it can ruin our dreams. So how can we learn to live with being disappointed? If we dedicate our efforts to Christ, then we will not worry about success or failure. We leave everything in His capable hands and continue to move forward in our efforts. If we leave all to Jesus, then that means we're thinking positively. For we know that Christ will never fail. When we get knocked down in life, how are we able to get back up? It's with the power of positive thinking. You say to yourself, okay, so I got knocked down. 
But that doesn't mean I have to stay down. The limit of your success is determined by your effort to succeed. Success will only be granted to those who are determined to succeed. You must show effort, grit, and determination. You must be willing to suffer discouragement from time to time. And yes, on occasion, maybe even a little bit of defeat. However, if you are optimistic, if you're a positive thinker, you can achieve success. Now, the downside of success, and there can be downside of success, is an inflated ego. So you must always be willing to give credit to those who helped you succeed. Those that help you can be your family and friends, but it should always include God. So what is the point of this message today? The point of the message today is the success of this church. The success of the mission of this church. The success of our faith rides on your efforts, your willingness to let God lead you. Our efforts will be in vain if we insist on taking credit for the success of our church, taking credit for ourselves. Our efforts will be in vain if we do not dedicate our work to God. We will not always succeed in bringing in the harvest in the numbers we would like. However, we should gladly be willing to witness and to spread the seeds and to let God take the credit. After all, we are here to be His servants and to do His work. Your efforts for this church and whether you become discouraged or are always optimistic are setting an example for those who follow for the next generation. Just as Pastor Reed was an example to me, just as he was an example that helped plant this church, it is my prayer that I can be an example for that next generation, the next generation to lead this church and other churches. That should be our hope. That should be our prayer and our desire, is to be that example for the next generation. Heavenly Father, thank you that you know that there will be times when we will be discouraged. And you tell us that's okay. Elijah got discouraged. Getting discouraged isn't a problem. Help us to accept that, to not, to give, to not give up when we get discouraged, but to accept it and to do what you tell us to do to get back up, to rededicate our lives to you, and to follow your will in our life. Lord, I want to thank you for the, for the example that Pastor Reed gave to so many of us in this room. Help us to live up to that example and to be an example to the next generation. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.